0: Hello and welcome to Off Air with me, Jane Garvey and me, Fee Glover. And We are fresh from our brand new Times radio show, but we just cannot be contained by two hours of live broadcasting. So we've kept the microphones on, grabbed a cuppa and are ready
2: to say what we really think. Unencumbered and Off Air. Hello and welcome to Off Air with her,
0: Jane Garvey, and, and her, Fee Glover. Right. So it's been another hectic week. It's the end of our third week at Times Radio. How would you assess things this week? We were sort of half hoping for quieter times, but once again, stymied. In fact, today has been relatively I, was going to say, I don't want to say run-of-the-mill, it has been. It was a really enjoyable programme today, I enjoyed it, but it was not so driven by events at Westminster, was it? It didn't have the same kind of jeopardy
2: that has accompanied nearly every other day in uh, modern British political history yes. since about, oh God, July, June.
0: Yeah. Although there was one point this afternoon where we thought that um, Vladimir Putin might make an important announcement, so maybe it wasn't all that run-of-the-mill, actually. <laughs> was, yeah. There was a moment of tension around about ten past three. <laughs> but if you've stuck with us, then I hope
2: that you think... I think there's been some improvement just in our uh, professional...
0: Professional what?
2: Professionality. Professionality. No, no that's not a word. Professionalism. Professionalism. In, professionalism, in our oh levels of professionalism. Especially around the hard junctions. We've yes. been trying hard for those, haven't we? Well, I? I'm not
0: sure we've really mastered anything. But I think there's a certain appeal to a more ramshackle approach to broadcasting, isn't there? Well, we we're hoping. To. We really do. So <laughs> anyway, what was lovely today was that we had a real-life guest who actually shared some space with us, which was much appreciated.
2: So Dawn O'Porter, who we're going to hear from in a minute. But one of our themes, and it's, um, it runs throughout her novel, doesn't it, was about pet grief, and this is a really lovely email from Joe. Do you want to read this
0: one? Um, I was intrigued when I heard that you were going to be discussing pet grief today, says Joe. I wasn't a pet owner, no pets as a child, or as an adult, until four years ago. I got a text from my then-husband of more than 11 years, informing me that he was leaving me for somebody else. Yes, I realised the text message aspect of this... Is a discussion topic in itself. I, after a period of time, looked for a new partner who, like him, shared my passion for fell walking. Sadly, what I found were quite a few men who claimed that they could walk up mountains, but it turned out that they couldn't. There are only so many times you can wait for 20 minutes at the top of a mountain, waiting for a man to catch up. So I decided my solution was to get a dog. Coco the Cockapoo is not only a much better fell walker than my ex-husband or any of the so-called 20-minute club, but she is far more loyal and more loving than my ex. We're now a unit in walking and in life, always pleased to see me and the best company. Of course, I am planning for Coco to live forever, but if that shouldn't happen, my grief will be quite immeasurable. I try not to think about it and the gap in my life that will result when she's no longer with us. Pet grief, at least in my case, will be real. That's from Jo in Cheshire. Hmm. She's anticipating pet grief. I mean, she hasn't actually been there yet.
2: Well, she if she can stride up a mountain or fell uh, faster than your know, average bloke who probably has said... On his application form, that he's super fit. Yes. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of men on those apps, Jane, dressed in Gore-Tex at the top of mountains.
0: It is. It's a favoured approach. So isn't I it? think
2: she's a canny lady. And thank you very much indeed for joining in our conversation. Uh, we also tried to discuss titles for autobiographies because we were talking about Prince Harry's book, which has been revealed today. Mm. Yes, uh, the title is Spare.
0: Very haunting. I've decided that's the right adjective for that title. Haunting. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And as Kate also pointed out on our programme, something of a challenge to the royal family. I mean, we've got a hint just from the title. This won't necessarily make for easy reading down at the palace or mm. any of the other substantial homes enjoyed <laughs> by members of our royal family.
2: Yeah, we are both going to enjoy reading that when oh, it comes I mean, out. And I, read I, it with I, an open mind. Jane, oh, we'll obviously. read
0: it with an open mind, but we'll certainly read it. And I think the idea, I mean, Kate tried to claim that she wouldn't read it. <laughs>
2: Just I think we'll test her on that, won't we? On, As we babe. get to know her better,
0: yes. we'll lay some traps. That would yeah. be a kind of collegiate thing to do in a new job. Sounds very sisterly. We'll definitely go for that. <laughs> uh, so Dorno Porter, who um, is she's good fun, Dawn, but she was. I'm sorry to say she was. She said herself she was a little hungover, didn't she? Was that I... Jamie Oliver just making an appearance? <laughs> Apologise for that. There was a slight gurgle. <laughs> uh, I, I, well, I had
2: to try the rather heavy carbonara. I, know, you've got the big I carbon. wouldn't it, even even if I'd walked up a fell and down. I would never choose. a carbonara it's not my favorite I mean, at all. I, don't,
0: I should have said to hannah <laughs> evans who came in i don't like knocky but well, i got the Nocku anyway look it's early days for us here we're trying to make friends with people yes what are we saying concentrate gather gather torno uh, porter she was hung over because she's had a book launch party last night <laughs> 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 terrible noise um only those of you with really um acute hearing will have will have heard that digestive episode <laughs> gastric moment i don't think i don't think it's really the pr coup jamie was hoping for no well i don't think it is either pastor dreams is the name of his new venture <laughs> pastor, oh, oh. <laughs> it's pastor dreams
2: You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
0: Right, uh, so back to Dorno Porter, who was in to talk about her novel. It's her eighth book, it's her fifth novel. It's called Cat Lady. And I think it's one of the. Actually, I just didn't know what to expect from this book. I read it all in one go last night and I genuinely enjoyed well it. Well done. I know. Well, you know how sometimes you spend a whole day just gawping at screens and you think, I want an old school evening with a nice mug of tea, a sofa, and a bloody good book. And you got it. And that's what I got. So, yeah. So she started by telling us about the boundaries or lack
2: of boundaries that she sets for her lovely cats, Myrtle and Boo.
1: I'm just all in. I love it when they walk across me when I'm sleeping, when I feel their warm, hot bodies against me. I love I love the cats and the bird. Do you? Yeah, I really do. Well, what
0: about that? You know that ridiculous early start they have at about ten to five in the morning.
1: Yeah, that can happen. Um, but we also just rescued two dogs, so the cats aren't really in the bedroom at the moment because they're just so angry with us. So, um, <laughs> but I kind of miss them. I miss that. You know, tapping on the face. My my boy cat did um, drop an actual rat onto my pillow at three o'clock in the morning a few months ago. Oh. Heartwarming. I know. So I, I did have a moment then where I was like, right, that's it. No more pets in the bedroom. But then we just we just we just love it. So. The door always gets opened. Although he actually opens the door, my cat. He's worked out how to open the bedroom door. <laughs> okay, you've got a clever one than yeah. mine. <laughs> he's got, he's got uh, a, an important announcement. No, going.
2: well, I just love your dedication at the beginning of the book. Uh, shall I read it out? Yes, do. Uh, so the book is dedicated to Sniff, Nen, Tiku, Minu, Acre, Fluke, Twiglet, Suska, Lillu, Potato, Myrtle, Boo, and all the pets I've yet to meet.
1: Yeah. it's very. It is very delightful. Mm. Well, they all... I had very special relationships with every single Are they one all of dead? them. Dawn. Um, no, Twiglet, Myrtle Boo. Um, and Shushka are still alive. Right. And then I now have two... I had to hand that in because my deadline was coming and a, a week later we uh, rescued two dogs. So I feel really bad, but Meatloaf and Puffin didn't quite make it to the um, dedications, but they are very much in our lives. OK. Now, at the, this is a,
0: I have to be honest with you, um, this novel wasn't really what I expected it to be. Right. And I, re- I really enjoyed it, um, but there were some twists and turns I just wasn't prepared for. <laughs> um, and we should say that at the centre of the story is, is a very vulnerable woman called mm-hmm. Mia... And she has a very particular and very sincere and deep relationship with her cat. Now, um, that is something that is mocked in society and it shouldn't be, should it?
1: No, I find it really odd. I think as a cat lover myself, I had a cat before I was married and before I met Chris and had babies And this cat was such a significant part of my life and something I was really, really proud of. Had times when I literally had no work and couldn't afford to feed myself and borrowed 20 quid off a friend and spent it on cat food. And I used to feel so bad about myself but just was so proud that this cat had no idea that I was broke. And it gave me a real feeling of self-worth along with that unrequited, not unrequited, wonderful love that you get from an animal. So it's been a long day. And, um, And I just... I just see it as such a positive thing in somebody's life. But for some reason, women with a cat, if they're single... There's this negative connotation that is attached to that, as if that's icy or coldness or well, unlovable in uh, some way. You've hit
0: on something with me. that is a raw nerve with me. So I cannot get another cat because then I will be just defined forever and I just it, it really terrifies me. So I'm sticking with the one really unpleasant cat for the time being.
1: Oh.
2: So you think if you had a companion for Dora, so if the cat's outnumbered you in the house, oh, that,
0: that would define that, that's, something. That's me finished for good then. Okay. I shall never marry again. I
1: think you should go the other way and just embrace it and just keep getting them you dawn yes mm. it's a sign of a big heart
0: well i mean that would be ridiculous in my case because i don't have a very big heart as fees about to say <laughs> um but there's also a pet grief is something that happens to all of us who, who've kept animals and and have formed a relationship however peculiar it might seem it's blooming awful it's
1: horrible when they go isn't it yeah it's really upsetting and i think that there's um my cat died in 2020 16 years my dog died earlier on this year and they were two Earth-shattering experiences. I, I actually weirdly, particularly with the dog. I really, I just, when when my cat died, I immediately was like, oh god, I need a cat, and I I had one within a month, and it took me about nine months to be able to even consider getting another dog. But I've experienced like grief in my life losing humans, and in that moment where it happens, it's the same feeling. It is just pure grief. It's so upsetting, and. I was very lucky that some of my friends understood how sad I was and really rallied around. But there's a lot of people who feel that they it's not worthy of... You know, it's not worthy of people's attention but this phrase it's just a pet or just a cat, just a dog is just not fair mm. because it really defines your home and you put so much effort into the, having these cats and I wanted to shine a light on pet bereavement and just remind any people who maybe don't love animals that when someone that you know loses a pet they're really really sad and you should take care of them
2: The thing that I find uh, really annoying as well about losing a pet and people's reaction to it is when people immediately say you can always get another one because you wouldn't say that
1: about a person No and the other thing that everybody says: the first question is, "How old were they?" Like, well, I know I know it was going to happen, but it's still it's still absolutely. Accurate. You wouldn't mm-hmm. say that about a person. How old were they? Oh, well, that's all right then. <laughs> just it's so I, think, it's I think people do. do. Well, you know what I mean. It's not the first question <laughs> no, that you ask, but I just think um, I I um I definitely felt, particularly with the cat. There's a, a lot more sympathy with with dogs, I think, but particularly with the cat. I I felt that I didn't have. I I kind of wasn't really supposed to be talking about it after a couple of weeks when I could still burst out crying about it now. And I just you know, I have very kind friends who looked after me, but it was um it was to me a very similar feeling of grief to what I'd experienced mm. when I'd lost people.
0: And I really li- I ended up really liking Mia, the Good. central character in the book, because she has she's a sort of woman who has settled for a kind of weird half-life that she doesn't even really recognize is that yeah because she's like so many of us compartmentalized and she's just getting from the end of one day to the start of another isn't she
1: yeah on paper it's all going very well she's got the husband the house the job and um as it all falls away you realize that a lot of those things didn't serve her very well and I think the pandemic did that to a lot of people made you kind of think oh do I actually like what I'm doing who I live with, the job that I do. Mm. And there was a lot of reassessment happening. And I didn't want to write about the pandemic, but it's the same kind of feeling of when something catastrophic happens, your life is changed. When you rebuild it, what do you you take with you?
2: The pet therapy grief sessions that you write about in the book, have you been to something similar yourself? Yeah,
1: so about 18 years ago, I was in New York and... I had a blog and I was just going to different self-help groups and writing about them. I did like laughter yoga and sound healing and things that were really woo-woo back then but are quite like normal the now. Feature on Wellness Wednesday. Yes, so there things. you go. Lots of lots of um, umming at crystals. Um, I, I mean umming, not omming. And I was um, one group that I found was a pet bereavement group and I thought, oh, this is going to be hilarious. I could write a really good article about this. What a ridiculous thing. And as soon as I walked into the room, I was like, oh my God, I could never ever write about this in a you know in a mean way and so I never wrote that piece but I held on to them and those people it was very sad and people were very lonely and they didn't have anyone in their lives who would give them a second of you know the sympathy that they needed about their grief and and here they are they popped up in this book and it's really nice to um to write about them with heart as opposed to as a journalist Mm. Yes, Okay. Now, let me just tackle the controversial
0: subject of um, too much intimacy with an animal. Now, I'm not talking about what you think I might be talking about. I'm talking about not so much cats in the bedroom, but actually in the bed. And I know people who let their dog get into bed with them and even put their head on the pillow... Please tell me, I mean, that's not good for any relationship, is it? It can't Um, be. Between humans, I'm talking about.
1: I'm not opposed to it. Our last dog, Potato, towards the end, he was so old and mad, we just let him do whatever he needed to do. But we do, generally, dogs sleep on the floor, and we sleep in the bed, but as soon as they hear our voice in the morning, they jump up.
0: Okay. Right, I think we've exhausted (laughs) that line of inquiry. What I'm interested in is, because you you don't live in London, you're here just talking about the book now Mm. for a couple of weeks, so it's back to L.A., but I think you've set up a kind of British office life really well in the book, when presumably you haven't worked in a British office for... In fact, have you ever worked in a traditional British workplace? Yes, I used to temp in
1: all sorts of offices. So is that actually, where it all, all Well, comes no, from? I actually um, I, I uh, found a jewellery designer here. Called Rachel Jackson, who I'd never met. Right. I asked on my blog, "Can anyone introduce me to a jewelry designer to set the scene of an office?" And I did like a two-hour-long Zoom with Rachel, and she really set the scene so that I knew that that was that would be what it would like if you went into a jewelry company so an old-fashioned research brilliant no it's a proper effort this is why
0: I want to know about writing fiction as opposed to non-fiction because you have done both now writing fiction is that your is that your happy place to be because you can roam you can roam completely free presumably
1: I wrote non-fiction during lockdown and it's um you're just stumbling over yourself and I'm so I my my commitment is that I will go all in so when I'm writing non-fiction i am writing non fiction I go all in and then just feel horribly overexposed. But I'd rather do that than write a book that isn't, you know, honest. So when I'm doing fiction, I can push the boundaries of anything I've ever done or thought or heard and say what I want and I'm not exposing myself. And so it's a lot freer and um, I way prefer it. It was it was great to write that book, Life in Pieces, but I'm just now it's fiction from now on. I think, I think writing nonfiction is harder.
0: Well, thank you, yes. Well, certainly Fi and I found it extraordinarily difficult. <laughs> we've never even tried fiction. No. Um, oh, I wanted to ask about sex scenes, do you oh, mind? Oh, please ask about yeah, sex no, scenes. Um, there, there's a faintly... There are a fair few sex scenes in the book, but, I mean, not an extraordinary number. But is that... Um, they're faintly comic or slightly troubling. I think they're both, actually. Um, how do you do those scenes? I would really be wary of writing anything like the sort of stuff that appears in this book
1: I love writing sex scenes Why? because I'm not writing like perfect Hollywood you know movie gorgeous sex scene you're where, really not by the no, way no but I think <laughs> but I think if you were to like this is creepy have a hole in the wall and watch other people have sex it would look awkward and weird and they'd be doing strange things and they'd be trying odd things and it would be um kind of noisy, but not in a sexy way. And that's the kind of sex that I like to write. Those kind of weird encounters that you have, even if it's your husband or, you know, when you're dating people. And, I mean, all you have to do is sit and have a glass of wine with a group of girls and you all share your sex stories. And it's that's the reality. Yeah. So are these LA friend sex stories
0: (laughs) or are they real friends in London?
2: I
1: would never tell.
2: Okay. Uh, How old are you, Dawn, please? I'm 43. Okay. I think there is still a, a really... Profound gap between the ability of women your age to talk about sex very openly and women our age to talk about sex very openly. I can hand on heart say I've got very clever, lovely friends. We talk about absolutely everything. Nothing is off the table, but we never, ever talk about our sex lives.
1: Well, I was having this very conversation this morning. In our 20s, my friends and I would go into, like, minute detail describing the sex that we were having with people. But as soon as you meet the one, or relationship Mm. becomes important, that just stops. And it's because even with your best... I I don't talk about my sex life with Chris, even with my best friend in the world. And that was all we used to talk about. And we've actually discussed, why is it? And I'm like, I don't want to know about you guys. It's too intimate. Because it's it, is no. that because you might see them both a lot? Well, I don't know what it is, but I also don't want her to know I think you just it's you just treasure what you've got with that person a bit more. It's a bit more um it's more at stake, and sharing it feels like you're exposing it to something that doesn't need to be mm. involved so no, I think about that a lot. My single friends still talk about their sex lives in quite big detail, but anyone in a serious relationship just doesn't. And does that make it even more exciting and fun to write about yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, I giggle to myself when I'm writing these sex scenes. I absolutely love it. And a lot. I wouldn't, I, there's various things that have happened. There's a, I know that you wanted to talk about it, so I'll find the right way. There's a scene with a Sharpie. Thank you, Dora. Um, this bizarre sex scene that is was so weird to write but was absolutely inspired by something that experienced someone I know experienced. Okay.
0: I'm really not sure I needed to know that it was...
1: Because I, I mean, I, it's not... To me, I was I
0: was mildly the cat shot off the sofa when we got to that bit last night. She couldn't cope. People do weird things. Oh, I know that. <laughs> yes, yes, I yes I have to accept that they do, Dawn. Um, and then
1: when you so, how does it feel to have written that and you think, oh, did a good job there? I'll just make myself a cup of herbal tea. Do you know all you want to do as a fiction writer is give your reader something that they haven't read before? Well, you did, and that's that's what I felt like I did. So, it was a big pat on the back for that one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so,
0: I mean, what I should say is that this book, which I hope it entices a few people to. To go out and search for it now because it is. It's also got a fantastic cover. Let's just hear it for the cover design of an upside down. Looks like uh, a Barbie doll upside yeah. down in a can of cat food. Yes. <laughs> uh, and if that doesn't attract readers, I, I don't know what will. Um, it's. I was. I was heading for a really important literary thought there, but it's completely gone. Please.
2: Can I do a cat thought instead? Why don't you? Uh, yeah. Do you think uh, that the domesticated cat genuinely does have kind of human characteristics and personalities or is that just what we've created and placed onto them
1: I, if we took a feral cat in would the same thing happen to them i think so A well, lot of people say if you take a feral cat in that was you know terrified of you and then you start feeding it and you get it spayed or neutered then it will eventually you know be lying on your chest i find cats so human i'm i swear my boy cat and i have this like have proper conversation. no you don't <laughs> but I do feel like he understands me and I understand him but I think people you know when it's your pet you, you've got a uh, formula to the way your day goes you've got stuff that you do where it responds to and you kind of have little routines and things like that so I, I do with my cats I mean I my cats people say oh cats think you're just their slave I don't My I am my cat's queen they stare at me like what now madam what's going to happen now they stare at me in the shower and, and did just, they like the book they loved the book excellent. and they were they were the inspiration. Excellent. And
0: how important is, I hope this isn't a spoiler, I remembered my question now, how important is it to have a happy ending for your rather vulnerable lady at the centre of the story, who I really like, Mia?
1: Oh, thank you. Oh, it's so important. She's not a particularly likeable character. You grow to well, love her, right? Well, yeah. thank you. I'm glad that you liked her. But I think with all books, you want to leave with a feeling of hope. And so it's not to wrap it up too neatly in, no, that, you but, know, in the perfect ending, mm-hmm. but I, I, you'd want the reader to get to the end and go, oh, she's going to be all right. And that's a good feeling.
0: Dawn O'Porter, she's uh, she's good fun, uh, even when she is ever so slightly hungover. I've got to say, she does hungover in a way that I certainly don't do. She looked absolutely fine. (laughs) She looked immaculate, absolutely immaculate. And the reference to a Sharpie there, don't be distressed by it. Um, It probably is what you think. And I don't care what Dawn says. Dawn says people do strange things. I hope not too many people do things as strange as that. But Cat Lady is an interesting read. Hmm. Uh, might be sending it my way as a Christmas present. I do very much hope well, I've so. I've marked a few of the pages, so I think it might be a little bit obvious. Okay. But we should also say that Dawn O'Porter had some very classy book gifts, you know, the things that sort of marketing bump that sometimes comes your way when people have got a book out. And she had some very interesting things, didn't she?
2: So she has gifted us with some pen holders yeah. that are basically like tins of cat food. Yeah. But they say... Cat Lady on them to publicise the book. Mm. But they're slightly the wrong way round. So in order to stand them up to put your pens in them, the logo and the legend around the tin is the wrong way up.
0: I just hope that an intern didn't get into trouble there.
2: Well, I, I would imagine Dawn did them all herself. So maybe when she was
0: hungover, it's the kind of thing that I do <laughs> a little bit too much the night before. Thank you very much for engaging with this garbage. Tomorrow, um, there's a little bonus ball. If you miss Susie Dent on our Times Radio show on Wednesday, you can hear it in tomorrow's Off Air podcast. And Susie's always well worth hearing.
2: do Brilliant.
0: You have been listening to Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Ben Mitchell. Now you can listen to us on the free Times Radio app or you can download every episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that if you liked what you heard and thought, hey, I want to listen to this but live, uh, then you can Monday to Thursday, 3 to 5. Time's radio. Yeah. Embrace the live Radio Jeopardy. Thank you for listening and hope you can join us off air very soon. Goodbye. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues